Isaiah chapter 43, begin reading in verse 10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and apart from me there is no Savior. I have revealed and saved and proclaimed, I and not some foreign God among you. You are witnesses, declares the Lord, that I am God. Yes, and from the ancient days I am He. No one can deliver out of my hand. When I acted, who can reverse it? This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down as the fugitives all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I, the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's creator, your king. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses and the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and owls, because I will provide water in the desert and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that I may, that they may proclaim my praise. Let's pray together. Father, thank you <clears throat> that your word, while it is always truth, it is also always true for our lives, in our lives. Holy Spirit, help this to be applied to each of us here today. I do pray that you help me to speak your words, but I also know that you are able to go beyond anything I say. And you must. This day, you desire to speak, to meet us where we're at, and to take us where we need to be. Help that to be clear. Lord Jesus, reign supremely as a king over all of this. May we trust you. Not just for today, but for tomorrow. We ask that you would move as only you can. Moving us. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We have just come off of Easter. And uh, I want to kind of reflect on that as we look at our message today. But reflect on it by reading the story just a little different. So uh, do I have a, I have a volunteer who's going to come on up here. Come on up here with me. Uh, you can sit right there. We're going to read the story uh, just in case no, people do not know. Can you tell everybody your name? Nathaniel. All right. Very good. Very good. So we got this book here. Nathaniel, and there's all kinds of things like, you know, earlier we talked about it. Naaman's in here. You want to get better, here's what you need to do seven times in the water. And one, two, three, four, Naaman looked the same. Five, six, seven, eight. That's when Naaman saw the change. So some great things. But then we get to the story about Jesus. It just kind of reminded us about that. All right. Uh, let me get down here where you're at here. And uh, all right. I'm going to read the story to you and and... And everybody's going to kind of listen on, although some of you can't see us over there. He's here. So when Jesus died on the cross so many years ago, God was so sad. He looked away. Not even the sunlight showed. And oh, OK. OK. Well, um, yeah, this is a good part. You like the part about the cross, right? Yes. Yeah. And I and, and understand you know about Jesus as as, as your Savior. Um, and it's important that he, what he did for us on the cross. And, and that's a good thing. Um, okay, so, so let me, I'll go back. Uh, when Jesus died on the cross so many years ago, God was so sad he looked away, not even the sunlight showed. And then, and, and, the, 
Don't don't turn the page. Okay, but but there's more. Uh, uh, don't okay. Um, I mean, this is good. The cross is good, but but God's got there, there's more to the story. I mean, there. Okay, you just want to stay right here. That's where you want to stay. Um, okay, well, I can see uh, there's probably no point in us continuing to do this uh, for right now. Um, uh, let's see what the rest of the people think. You, you can go back and sit down with your your parents. All right. Thank thank you, Nathaniel. Uh, we think right. Okay. Um. So. Uh, we didn't really get to the all the part of the story, but you know, just coming off of we have Friday on the cross, and and all that was good, and 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 it was, uh, it, in fact, even though it, we look back at it, it was good at the time. It seemed like that was the end, that that was it. But God did turn the page to the empty tomb. We turn and we see that in that turning the page, the next part, something new happens. In fact, not just new, it's a whole new beginning. Not not just for uh, Jesus as he comes back to life, but for all who will follow him. The new begins right here at this empty tomb. Now what's that got to do is we're looking at this passage here in Isaiah 43. Look specifically at verses 18 and 19. And these are what we're going to focus on, not only this morning, but we're kind of going to hit next week as well. And really a short series here about how of new beginnings and what that is all about. But for today... Uh, Let's just focus in. Verse 18, Isaiah 43. Forget the former things. Do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. God wants to begin something new in this passage right here. He wants to begin something new with Israel uh, as they're going through a dark period of time in their history. They're present, as he's speaking this, their present was not pleasant. In part because of their own past and what they had done. But God wants to turn the page to a new chapter in their life. But they were stuck, kind of like with our wonderful volunteer here saying, No, don't turn the page. I like this page. You know, don't turn it. I just I want to stay right here. They were stuck on the past pages, unwilling to let the author of their salvation turn the page to a new beginning that God wanted to do in them, a new that He also wants to do in our lives. We need to understand that. To turn the page on the past is what He's asking us. Because verse 19, as you read that, it says, See, I am doing a new thing. Who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want God to do a, a new thing? We want it. It sounds great. We, but we cannot move into the preferred future of God if we are stuck on some page in the past. We end up missing the whole rest of the story by saying, No, don't turn the page. Say, right here. We miss not only the rest of the story, but so often as the way it is with God is we miss the best of the story that is yet to come. Just like with the resurrection. We're missing not just the rest. So many times we're missing the best. You know, that's what was here. So this was what I was, we, were, we were looking at when Jesus died on the cross so many years ago. And this was turning the page. Jesus' body was put in a tomb, but it was only there for three days. And after that, he was alive again, and his friends were filled with praise. You know, it's not the same story if we just stop right here. In fact, it's not even a story that changes our life. 
if we just stop right here. 1 Corinthians 16 makes it pretty clear. Read in numerous places in Corinthians there. That if Jesus is not raised to life, our faith is futile. The cross, ultimately important and good. But God had something even better. God had a new thing that he wanted to do. A new beginning. You know, he's saying here in verse 18, to forget the former things. Forget what is behind. Let go. Cut the strings. Close the door. Now, when he's saying this, to turn the page, to forget, it's not about saying, all right, I want you just to erase your memories. Because that's not necessarily even possible. Sometimes God may help with that, but for the most part, it's not about erasing everything that's ever happened in your past. Rather, he's saying to choose to not remember. To choose to not dwell on the past, as it says there in verse 18. To choose not to focus on. On or be tied to what's happened in the past. To forget the former things is to stop bringing them up to your mind, let alone other people's minds. To stop thinking and holding on to those things. To let it go. Don't start singing, please. Except, now when we say let it go and, and we say to forget, except those things that God has specifically already instructed us that we are to remember for his glory and and there are a number of things like that but in verse 18 it's saying listen this is what he's telling us to do here and we can't start a new chapter in our life that god already has written unless we turn the page unless we turn the page on the past most of us can grasp today i think the need to turn the page on on past trials and troubles on failures and and fallings I'm focusing on the bad of our past and how that's not helpful, especially if you're trying to move into a future that God has for you. And we'll talk more about not letting that negative of our past affect the newness of the great things God wants to do next week. Explore turning the page on our past blunders, so to speak, and moving into the new. But today, I want us to just think about it in maybe a way that we've not thought about it before. And that's to turn the page on our past wonders. On the past good things. Even great things that God has done. We've maybe not thought about it that way. But there can be good things from our past that we get stuck on. That we don't let go of. God has more on the next page. There can be like, I really like this passage, this this page that talks about the cross. I really want to stay there. But we get stuck on the good things and then we miss out on the best things that God has. Verse 18, remember not the former things has to do not merely and really about bad past of Israel, but it has to do about the good past to forget the former days not the former days just when things were bad and horrible for you but to forget the former days when things were good how can i say that we just look at the context verse 16 look at verse 16 this is what the lord says he who has made a way through the sea right parting the red sea he who has made a path with through the mighty waters who drew out the chariots and horses the army and reinforcements together and they lay there never to rise again extinguished snuffed out like the like a wick right before he and then the next sentence is forget the former things he just talked about a former thing the amazing deliverance in the exodus of egypt and the red sea and the whole army being wiped out he says yeah Remember that? No, don't remember that. Don't. 
Yes, there was an amazing deliverance. Yes, the Dead Sea. Yes, there was the the Jordan River uh, at flood stage parting to go into the promised land. Yes, there was the impenetrable, impossible fortress of Jericho when the walls come tumbling down. And yes, there was this miracle and that miracle and this miracle and all, all kinds of things that God did. But it's time to turn the page from those past wonders, from the past good. And press on to what God wants to do new. We get stuck on the past instead of what will be. We only talk about what was. And it's easy to do. It it, it was good. But we've got to get to the point it's saying here to stop reminiscing about the good old days. Let's just say it that way. Stop reminiscing about the good old days and wishing we could go back there. They were great. God is to be praised for what verses 16 and 17 talk about. God is to be praised for the Egyptian army being wiped out. They were great. But those are the past pages. And we need to remember not the former things or consider the things of old. Instead, uh, as good as a page as it has been in our book, it's time to move on. It's time to turn the page. And you think that what God did in the past would be an incentive for us to turn the page. It's like, man, if God did this in the past, can you only imagine what the next page is going to be? But that's not the way we think. So often we don't think about wow God brought us out of this and God brought us out and said we're just thinking about what we're in and remember when God used to remember when we had good times as a family remember when we had this remember when the church was like we just go on and on focusing on the best days that are behind us that's not right God said see I'm going to do a new thing. Your best days are not behind you. I'm going to do a new thing. Unfortunately, we can't see that. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of like driving with the uh, side view mirror on. All we see is is the the past behind us. Oh, look at the beautiful sunset. You know, ah, oh, my life. I remember. I remember. You know, and remember when things were better. We could just go back to that. Go back to where we used to live. Go back to uh, the job we used to have. Go back to the time when the family all got together. Go back to what is it that we're just wishing for the past to return, wanting instead of wanting to press on to the future that God has. Often the new thing that God wants to do in us is in us, not merely in our uh, problems or the people around us we have those in in their personal lives that are are constantly just thinking back to the days when they were happier i remember when we were happy i remember when i was happy i remember when things were just they were good it was easier at least that's the way we remember it and then people take a step further and they says i i remember that and so I'm not just going to sit here and and just remember and feel bad about it. I'm going to try to make it happen again. And then we we try to to do this and that and arrange this and recreate what used to be in our past and try to get it all together. And then it just falls and fails miserably. And we're like, feel even more hopeless. We tried to, to make everything just like it was. We tried to get everybody together. We tried to do all this. It, it just It didn't work. Because we are just looking through some side view mirror. We're not seeing the whole picture. You're you're not the same. They're not the same. It, It doesn't work. There is so much more. A side view mirror only sees a little bit. I mean, if you think about it. You know, the side view mirror on the side of the car is just a small part. It's missing so much. It, it, in fact, how many of on some of your side view mirrors say objects may appear bigger? 
right? Objects may appear bigger than they actually are or something like that. Sometimes that's the way it is when we're looking at our past. The past that are wonders and are good is that objects appear bigger. Our past appears bigger. Our past appears greater than it really was to begin with. It applies not only to a personal life, but it applies to church life. To turn the page, because God wants to do a new thing. And, and church people say everywhere, say, yes, amen. I believe God can do something great here again. At, let's, just, let's make it personal. I believe God can do something great here again at OCCA. Just like he did like two or three pastors ago. Are you hearing that? Because if you didn't get that, you need to get that. I believe God can, can, can really do some great things like when we did this big thing that we did. Fill in the blank. No. Stop trying to go back to previous pages. God is saying, forget the past. It's not about what I have done. It's about what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to do something new. Turn the page. Because what I got planned is not anything like what I have done before. Isaiah chapter 43 here. That's what God's trying to say. Look at verses 20 and 21. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and owls, because I will provide water in the desert, streams in the wasteland, and give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself. What God has planned there is something that he's never done before. This whole concept of the streams in the, in the whole desert and the wasteland. This is something they didn't even dream was possible to think through of what he's trying to say. When we stay in our glorious past, we're stealing the glory from God right now, today. We're missing out, and He is missing out on the glory that's due Him. Part of the reason that we focus on even the good past and the reason it's not helpful is that we do not specifically really remember what was on the previous page. In other words, we have a tendency to rewrite our history based on our emotions at the time where things were either seen as worse than they really were or things were seen as better than they really were. Oh, and, and there's no way uh, better to illustrate that that often with churches. You know, as a pastor, you come in to a, a new to a church that's been around and you have people talking about, oh man, things were so bad around here. I can't tell you how bad it was. You know, and then somebody else says, oh, it was amazing around here. Wow, we had ourselves a great old time. Hey, it was hallelujah party. Okay, what? You know, now I've been doing this long enough. I know what, you know, it, it, it was the worst of times or it was the best of times. But the reality was it was a time that God did not leave uh, or is absent. God was there and God was working no matter what was happening, but we just choose to see things the way we want to see things. Oftentimes, oftentimes better than they actually were. The Israelites are talking fondly about the good old days of deliverance from Egypt. What a great time when God brought them into the promised land with all the amazing miracles. And yet somehow, I mean, think about it. They were. They were talking about here. They've talked about other places. Oh, God brought us out of the captivity in Egypt. It was amazing. It was miraculous. Our wonderful God, our wonderful God who, who parted the seas and, and, and crushed the Israelite army. It was an amazing time. It was a wonderful time. It was a glorious time. It was 40 years in the wilderness because you were grumbling the whole time. How about? Are you with me? How we want to decide that we're going to remember this? And then even as they're out grumbling, it says, Oh, if we could just go back to Egypt. Oh, I remember eating leeks and onions by the Nile. Oh, I just want to go back to Egypt. If things were good then. Things were better then. Hello? We forget the use and abuse as slaves 
and everything that went on. And this is in the word here. This actually happens. Many of you know this. This isn't really what they're thinking. And yet, you know what? They're not any different than we are. They didn't want to turn the page and keep pressing on to the promised land because of their selective memory and we have selective memory. And so many times there are churches that are wandering in their wilderness for more than 40 years. Just keep going around and around. It seems like, oh, things are really turning and changing except that you're just there long enough, you see it just comes right back around as we keep walking in the same circle, never entering the promised land, never allowing God to turn the page. Too often we make an idol of the past in our lives, it, it, not just in the church, but in our family's life. And here's the problem. With dwelling on the, on the past, on the whole glory days, too often it's reminiscing in a way that actually doesn't give glory to God. We talk about the glory days, but it's usually about what man has done. It's usually about earthly things. It's not really about God and His glory. There are too many that remember the glory days of the past so fondly, remembering a, a church that was great. And when we did great, it, it was great in those times, I remember back then it was great to be uh, a part of the, of, of the church. Uh, it was so great. Uh, you just wanted to be there every time the doors were open. And, and everybody was so family. And it was just good. And good things happened. Especially with that good old pastor, what's his name? You know, I, I just fill in the blank. With that good old pastor and how we followed his lead and, and, and it was in a time of prosperity and, and there was more people and more money and more things going on. Obviously, those are all the things on God's checklist in the Word of God that the church's purpose is not. None of those. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom like an inheritance is a good thing. Benefits those who see the sun. Why say the former days were better than these? Let's just stop for a moment and listen to the facts. The good old days were never the good old days. It's just how you choose to remember them that oftentimes is far from the truth. In our personal life, in our, let's say in our family life, in our marriage, in our church life. Let's take the little church life thing. I've talked to pastors of, of past churches. You, you go to church and a little later you happen to see them at one of the district events or something and talking. And, and uh, you know, this would be one of the, pa- the, the good old pastor, the good old golden boy pastor. There were things just, it was a time of great prosperity and love and all that stuff, you know, whatever went on. Anyway, you, you talk to these guys and uh, it's amazing. That's not how they choose to remember the time at that church. You know, it, it, it's not, not so. They talk with the, it's like, there's like, I don't really remember people following my lead. I remember actually having to go through a lot of hassle with this and actually getting hassle even with my own personal life. And I, I just don't remember that. And, and then you talk about, well, uh, remember so-and-so? They're just, they, they just talk all the time about how great it was when you were here as pastor. <laughs> and I can tell you how many times this happened. The pastor's like, so-and-so? They were probably my greatest thorn in the flesh. They were probably the greatest grumbler and complainer at the time. And they're saying how great it was. How in church we want to go back to the past. And sometimes we say it's not about that. We want to go back to what worked. Remember when we did this as a church? That was good. Was it good or just feel good? That was fun. I liked it. 
Even though oftentimes nobody ever asked the question, not only then, but even today, was that God's goal? And did we accomplish God's goal? Was that what God wanted? We say it was good, but was it good for God? And even if it did, even if it accomplished what God wanted at that time, we end up talking like, well, that's the way God worked in the past. That's the way then, therefore, God's always going to work forever. That's the way God always works. Says who? Take, for example, the burning bush. Amazing. Incredible way that God spoke to Moses and, and even called him. How many of you have had a burning bush? Literally. Uh, not in that kind of way. In fact, let's just ask, from what you've read in the Bible, is there another burning bush? None. God does it in a new way. He does it in a way for each of us as individuals and the way he, he wants to bring about what it is. It was amazing. It was a powerful. But that's not the way we have to look for God to work. And we limit the God of eternity when we say that he has to work like he did in the past. The reality is it's not going to work in the past. It's not going to work in the past way now in the future. And here's one of the things. Sometimes what was done in the past is not going to work in the future because, and some of you this is going to be hard to accept, because it never worked in the past either. It just kind of seemed like, I mean, well, okay, we did. it never really did. That in itself is tough. But sometimes it's that based on our limited kind of know-it-all knowledge that this is the way it's always done, this is the way we should stick with it, you know, this is what I grew up with, this is the way Christianity, this is the way churches are supposed to do things. Except that's not the way churches are doing things all over the world. And in fact, that's not the way churches are doing things just across the Ohio line. We get stuck in this is the way it is in the past. I'm not talking about the truth here. The truth which is still the truth no matter what happens. The truth of God's word. What I'm talking about is even those things that are our methods, not our message. That have more to do with our culture, our church culture than it does with Christ. And our church culture in western Pennsylvania is different than the church culture in eastern Ohio even within alliance churches. It has more to do oftentimes with our preferences than God's absolutes. Our concern should be getting back to what the Word of God calls us to. Not to the back to the way we've done, but get back to the Bible's directions for us and how we are to live. And many Long-time Christians say, Amen. I've said this before. Not here. I don't know that I've said it before here. I've said other places. Amen. We need to get back to the Bible. <laughs> but they don't really mean that. What they mean is we need to get back to the way we used to do church. We need to get back to doing this thing. We need to get back to doing this whole churchianity form of religion of the way we've always done it and think it should be instead of turning the page to something new. And letting God do a new thing. The fact is we cannot go back to the past. Not just reality wise. But we cannot go back to the past. Because the past as we remember it. Never really existed. And even if you could. You know. It's one of the things to say. for It has less application probably here. But churches in general. And here, this is not your grandparents' church. This is, in that sense, when we say, um, hopefully nobody's going out and saying, well, grandparents aren't welcome here at OCCA. That's not what I said. Okay? This is not your grandparents' church. We can't go back. We're not going to go back to 1970s or 80s. Why? Why? Because the only people, if you go back to 1970 and 80, 
that you can minister to are other people who are in 1970 and 80. Now, there might be a few lost that are still there, but a lot of people have moved on. This is not your grandparents' church because it's not your grandparents' world any longer. That's what we've got to get. Things have dramatically changed in our society since I have been in ministry, since I started in ministry. Things have dramatically changed. Not merely because it deals with some level of sin. Oh, we got more sin and it's just so open and it's so accepted out there. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about how our country has, quote, gotten worse. I'm talking about how our country has changed and become different dramatically we are living in a post-christian society that no longer can we assume that certain morals or values or certain knowledge or certain understanding of god or even a knowledge of who jesus is because now generations have grown up that have never been in church that have never heard the name of jesus except as a swear word they do not have the concept of that basic children's book that i just put up there They don't know anything about that. And it does not have, not only they not know, but they have no respect. They have no, it has no meaning. It's not been something that's ever talked about. It's not that they disrespect it, but it's not on the radar. It's no longer there. It's no longer assumed people you could just talk to and they'll know who Jesus is or they'll know about what is sin or any of this other stuff that's talked about. You know, In a sense, the world has turned the page on the church era while the church is still living back on the past page trying to reach the world that has already turned the page. God, it doesn't mean that we should be all depressed about it. God says, I'm going to do a new thing. You know, but as you think about this, think about um, an example in the way we present the message, our, our methods, the way of sharing the good news. I'll just give you one example. Um, when I first entered the ministry, one of the things that we did um, oftentimes was go door to door, not in door, sharing uh, the good news with people and just talking with them. Uh, a lot of times they're just sitting out on their front porch as you're walking by, you know, and, hey, how you doing? And he'll talk to you, talk to anybody. You know, that was, uh, that, was that day. But our society has changed. And we've moved from the front porch to the back porch, to the privacy of the back porch and the protection of locked doors because you can't trust strangers. And they certainly don't trust church people. Or at least should we say religious looking people because there's all kinds of religious people that come knocking on doors it's not to say that god can't use in some way uh, something similar some variation of that to make a different way that we go and meet people where they are at you know we try to at the mall uh, at bridge fest i mean there may be all kinds of different ways to go where they are but let's be careful that we don't just live and dwell in that past way. In the same way, let's be careful that we don't just cut down the distant past. Oh, remember that church. Church back then was really bad. Yeah, right? Church back then was really bad. And they just didn't have it right. But we got it right today. You know? We got, we're doing the right thing. Let's just even imagine for a moment that we really are. And we're focusing and saying, well, we're not stuck on the past. We're, we're doing things that we've just been doing the last couple years. That's the past, isn't it? We're doing things we just did last month. That's the past, isn't it? God wants to do a new thing. Can we turn the page? The question is, he wants to turn the page. And what we've been talking about this, this deals with our, our personal lives uh, as well. I mean, I know I'm kind of sharing that, that the church part, but it deals with our, our personal lives. 
We're crying out for God to, to bless us. We're crying out for God to deliver us. We want God to do something in our situation, and He is ready to. But we keep saying, don't turn the page. Instead, our hope, if there is any present hope that we actually have, our hope is that God would just turn the page back to when things were better, when things were good. And until we stop looking back and trying to go back through our book to the past, we're never going to be able to see what God wants to do as He turns the page to the new. OCCA, are we ready? You as individuals, are you really ready to take your hand off the page and say, God, turn it. I'm ready. Good or bad, I'm ready for what you want to do. And this isn't a difficult concept. Uh, not as difficult as we make it out to be. Uh, let me just ask a, a question, and maybe I can hear hear you. Um, I asked some of the the guys here, what car do you have right now? Probably not that one. What 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 car do you have? Chevrolet, Chevrolet Impala. All right. What car would you like if you could have any car in the world? Any car. What's that? Well, name one. Want a Lamborghini? Okay. Nissan Maxima. Okay. Okay. Ah, somebody else. What what car do you have? Honda Accord. What car would you like if you could have any car in the world? A new car. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good answer. How about over here, Brian? What car do you have? Silverado. All right, play country music in that, right? All right. Um, and what car would you like? 69 Shelby GT500. Okay, okay. Okay. Yeah, these guys are getting into it. I I, I put a picture of a car that, that uh, you know, the uh, Dodge Challenge. I know, I know. There's different. Am I going to get into the Dodge? Buy a picture car. Now, see, you got to understand. You're saying no, you didn't. But this weekend, I've been driving a 2007 minivan. So, okay, <laughs> you see. All right. Now, what if I said to you guys, and many of the other guys have these things. You say you can think of cars that you really like. New car. Here's the deal. What if I said to you, I am going to get that, buy that car, and deliver it to your house. On one condition. When I deliver it, actually right before I deliver it, because I, I'm not going to wait to that moment, I've got to buy it and then bring it. So before that time comes, right before that, you have to give me your old car. <laughs> yeah, right? So there might be somebody here that's like, oh, I don't want to get my old car up. I mean, I really like that girl. Uh, but... The reality is, it's not that hard of a choice to give up the old car when you know you're getting the new, you're getting something, and that's just what you wanted. That's what this is about, of turning the page. Or turn the page to let go, not only of that old car or the past car, but let go of the past to not remember the former things, that God wants to do a new thing. Uh, this is not just a... And I know some people are... There's some that are skeptics about all these kind of things. And we talk about, well, pastor, this is just here in Isaiah. You know, you're talking about forget the former things and God's going to do new things. just here in Isaiah. As if God has to repeat himself over and over him before we actually decide we're going to believe it. You know, God should be able to just say once... But he doesn't just say it once. Some would say, well, this is just unusual, but is this... No, it's the usual way God does things. Now somebody would say, wait, wait, wait. 
Yes, but this here that we just read is just an Old Old Testament application. There's no principle. There's nothing for us in the New Testament. This is just for the Israelites. And sometimes that can be true. But not here and not with this concept, this principle of God's word and what he does. Think about this. Even now, God operates as we look at the end times, which are really going to be new times. Isaiah chapter 65. God says this, the very end there, which is really the beginning. See, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. This has absolutely nothing to do in content with our Isaiah passage. But it has absolutely everything to do with the principle of God and the way he operates. Are you with me? Absolutely everything to do with how he operates. I'm going to do this. One of the reasons the the former will come to mind, it says the former will, you know, nor will they come even to mind, is because the latter is going to be so amazing, so mind-blowing, so soul-filling, so uh, awesome more than you've ever imagined, you're not going to even think about the past. It's not going to come up because the new is going to be so. That's the word that's used here in verse 19, new. It has to do with the concept and it's in other places has this meaning of something that has, or let's put it this way. Oftentimes we think of something new. Guys, when you new, we think about you guys with the old cars. How about we put a new coat of paint on it and we clean it up on the inside? Maybe if you got some seats there, we'll put new seats in there. That's how we think God's going to do new in our life, is that we think God's going to just kind of paint it new. We think God's going to kind of, kind of uh, make it look new. No, when God says he's going to do something new, it's brand new, never been seen before. Even more than that, something that's never even been imagined before on a scale that has never been thought of before. God is going to do something new, unparalleled in the past, and yet we get stuck in that past and can't imagine something out of the ordinary from what we've experienced. And God wants to do the extraordinary. We're so focused on what we've heard before, what we have experienced before that it's hard to believe the unheard of. We're living in yesterday's victories, glorying over long since faded memories to such a point that we cannot even imagine the greater things that God wants to do. Turn the page. To turn the page does not mean that that past was bad. It means that the future is so good that there is absolutely no comparison. We become so focused on the old that it limits our ability to see this new and truly believe the new that we've never known. And we may never know because we just keep our hand on the page. I know that many don't want to turn the page to something new because new is bad, new is wrong. You stick with the old, you stick with the good, you stick with the right. But that's not what God is saying here. It may sound like sound wisdom, but God's not saying that. He says, forget the former things, do not dwell in the past. See, I am doing a new thing. This is the God who created the heavens and earth. I want you to think about this for a moment with me. God created the heavens and the earth, everything. And when he was done, he said it was good. God created the heavens and earth, everything. It was good. What's he going to do at the end of time, so to speak, as we think about it? What's going to happen to the heavens and the earth that God said was good, they're all going to be destroyed. And he's going to create a new heaven and new earth. That's what God does. It's not that it was bad. It was good. 
But there is something more. There is a new heavens and a new earth that is awaiting us that is beyond all that we have right now. We've got to open up not only our hearts and our minds for this, but open up our hand to allow God to turn the page. In fact, turn the page. Again, some of like, you know what? This is the way God operates, but I'm not sure if that's the way we're to operate. Turn to Philippians chapter 3. Some of you have this memorized, but others do not. Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. And right after we get reading this, I'll have the worship team come. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. Forget what's behind, press on to what's ahead, turn the page. That is how God wants us to operate. Yes, it's unknown. Yes, it's unexpected. But the question is, are we willing to trust God? Are we willing to trust God to turn the page to something that we don't have control over? Are we willing to trust that He is the author and finisher of our faith book? And that the next page, even if it's not... And you say, well, the next page might be bad. It might be. But the next page might be good. But more than that, we know the next page after that, as we reach towards the end of the book, will be great. It will be new and good. We can't keep walking back in our past and expect to end up in God's future. We cannot expect things to be different if we're not willing to change. Don't... We don't want things to stay the same in our life, and yet for some reason we're not willing to move. It's time to turn the page, to leave the past behind and press on to the new that God wants to do. Worship team, come on up. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you're going to do in and through us. At least what you want to do. I want to believe that you are going to do it, but I know that sometimes we are keeping our hand on the page, keeping you from turning it for new. Today, it, it may be there is something from our past that is, is holding us back, that is even good, let alone those things that are not good. But we make the decision that we're going to trust you. We're going to take our hands off, no longer worry about having to control what might be or will be, but to allow you to turn the page and do a new thing. To trust that you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. And you will reveal and show and bring about amazing, wonderful new things. In your name we pray. Amen.